Welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. We made it through another week. I do want to take a moment before we dive into spinning discs of whirling energy part two that it seems like our democracy is falling apart at the seams. This last week especially, it's like Marty McFly went back in time, but instead of his hand turning see-through or a picture of his brother slowly disappearing, it's the Constitution that is slowly fading out of the picture. It's the memo business, and I'm not going to get into it all here because I am not a trusted news source, obviously, and I don't have much productive to say about it other than you know, it's a problem. I don't even know how to protest or shout about or call my senators about. Like just text and be like, help, why aren't we doing something? You know, I use resist bot, right? You guys know this. It's uh, it's a bot. You text R-E-S-I-S-T to the number 50409. And it prompts you and guides you through the process to call or fax or mail your representative of choice. In fact, actually, ResistBot is on Twitter also. So you can send the word resist to at ResistBot as a direct message. And you can write to your officials there without ever having to leave the relative comfort of Twitter. So that's something we can do. I don't have other ideas right in this moment because I'm just simply dumbfounded. All I can do is kind of keep on keeping on take breaks when I need to, keep paying attention, try not to get numb to all of it, and try keeping people accountable, myself included, on a smaller scale in my own life. And I'm breathing, so life continues. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Last week, we started to talk about chakras, which, you know, is not mentioned in the Steele dossier, and yet we proceed. But here, this is, this is why I think it's important, actually, to talk about chakras today, right now, amidst the madness. In part, it's because our whole society loves a quick fix, and we often turn to fantasy to escape reality. And in my estimation, the embracing of the seemingly exotic traditions is the perfect storm for what this exhausting moment in time can offer us. What I'm saying is it can be very tempting to lean into the other or lean into the fantastical realm of things in order to escape our current reality and also in an attempt to fix something with some magic potion rather than address it with the tools we already know. It allows this kind of white Western world to escape its own crummy reality and use a new snake oil to try to fix what's wrong with us. And, you know, newsflash, you guys know this, this doesn't work. By ignoring our own reality and using, quote, wellness as an escape, we're actually doing some harm. You know, take a break by all means and do what you need to do, but we have to be awake to our current reality. And it's not fair to use, you know, ancient systems and other cultures and trends to to try to put a band-aid on some of the larger issues at hand. These things, whether it's nutritional yeast or transcendental meditation, they don't just turn things around overnight. This is why trends come and go. This is why first we were into paleo, and then it was the year of kale, and now it's all about quinoa, and then people in Peru can't eat quinoa. 
I keep on reading conflicting reports about this. So again, if you're interested in the effects of quinoa consumption in the Andes, you know, let's do some research on that. But the chakras are not quinoa and no farmers will be injured if you think about your chakras during yoga or meditation, but it's an extremely ancient system and it's not one most of us grew up with. It can be presented to us as a quick fix or a wellness trend, which both pulls us out of our current reality and makes us think that taking the surface of a deep idea from somewhere else and rubbing it all over us will do the trick. And that is kind of what I hate to say this, right? Because it seems really like I'm glossing over a lot of stuff. I don't think the wellness world is what got us into the state our country is in right now. I'm not making a one-to-one correlation. I am, however, saying that our culture is fixated on ambition and betterment and also has a very specific idea of what better looks like. And that is a distraction from wholesome whole living, right? From like being good in our soul. Because being good in our soul and in our actions is way harder than just being lazy or being a jerk and then having a smoothie, right? That's why I use smoothies as the enemy sometimes where I talk about the rainbow chakra latte, like it's some evil in the world. And I have smoothies, despite my Ayurvedic training. They sometimes are just a quick and easy way to get some greens into your diet, right? But all I'm saying is, all of these trends are just escapism in disguise. And using them can, in some cases, allow us to ignore the deeper issues. So if you want to get into using the chakra system to improve your life, I'm all for it. But take the opportunity to be real about it. Everything that makes for real change takes time and be aware of what parts of the system you're taking and what you're leaving behind. I'm not saying don't explore. Yes, explore and be aware. So let's explore a little bit. Last week, we talked about the energy body and what the chakra system is all about. This week, we'll talk about each chakra and how they are described and what they do and how you might choose to think about them. A little bit of a review In case you did not listen to episode 62, uh, chakras do not live in the physical body. They live in the energy body. And like the doshas in Ayurveda, another soups, pop, ancient system, hashtag trending right now, like those doshas, we can't touch a chakra. We see its effect rather than seeing it directly. We talked a little bit about prana, translated in this case as life force or energy, and how it travels through the body. It travels through a series of channels. These are called nadis. And where the nadis cross one another, we find the traditionally accepted location for the seven main chakra. Each chakra has its own job. Think, I don't know why, but for fun, let's think of the seven dwarves. Sure, they all work in the mind, but each one has his own separate personality. Sneezy, happy, dopey, doc. And your chakras are like that too. I know I just said not to make deep things superficial to try to fix your life. And then I compared a system that's thousands of years old to the seven dwarves. I understand how that could be problematic, but I'm doing this in an attempt to help you think about the system differently than it may be presented to you in yoga journal or in an online quiz or what have you. 
And I like to talk about things in this way in part to demystify them, to make them less magic, less other. Because if we think it's magic, then we expect magic results as opposed to commitment and work. If it's a down-to-earth system, then you know it's just a system. It's a process that requires effort. And I really like that thought. Make it regular. Don't expect magic. Okay, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Remember Maslow's triangle, the hierarchy of needs? First, we need food and shelter. Remember, I think I mentioned my my baby nephew. All he cares about is, you know, eating and pooping and not being too cold or too hot. He does not have any crises of self-confidence. Um, he's not wondering what his own personal dharma is. He just wants food and sleep. Well, that's what the first chakra governs. The first chakra, uh, it's sometimes called the root chakra or muladhara chakra, is all about security, safety, survival. It's the basic needs. It's about physicality, physical identity, aspects of self. It's really grounding. It's the support and foundation for living our lives. It's associated with earth and smell. Again, groundedness, security, If it's out of balance, it might show up as anxiety, right? Anxiety lives in our heads. It comes from too much thinking. I'm not saying all stress is in our heads. Yes, I'm sorry, I am saying that. But I don't mean to say that like life is always hunky-dory and it's just in our heads when it goes wrong. Well, actually, I guess I am saying that too. All I'm saying is when we feel overly anxious, It's usually because we're not in the present moment connected to our breath and our body and we are in our head thinking of all the possible things that could go wrong. So anxiety lives in our heads and the best way to balance that is to get in the body, right? Some people go for a run. Some people take three deep breaths, go for a walk. Sometimes uh, eat something, eat something hearty. Comfort food is grounding. Mac and cheese is grounding because it makes us slow down so we can digest and then slow down, feel low, earthy, grounded, you know, sometimes low-key. And that's a delicate balance, right? That's why a little bit of hearty stew is grounding and an entire tub of mac and cheese is just punishing. So the first chakra is the base. You need that before anything else can really evolve, right? We're not going to worry about whether we feel worthy of love if we are starving to death or if we don't have shelter and we're not safe. That said, most humans are constantly vacillating among all of the things that the chakras are governing. It's not really so cut and dried. We just talk about it that way because it's easier to understand, but you can have an open heart, fourth chakra, and still be ungrounded, first chakra, right? They all work together. And when people talk about having a block in one area or not being aligned, those things are all happening in relation to one another. There is no absolute open or absolute block. It's all relative. The second chakra is Svadhisthana, the sacral chakra. 
This one covers sensuality, desire, pleasure, creativity, and procreativity. If the first chakra is about groundedness and earthiness, the second chakra is more fluid. It's, it's about emotions and movement. It's about desire and pleasure. It's also about learning to go with the flow. So out of balance, you might see issues with impulse control, right? Impulses and desires take over or control issues take over. You become micromanaging of everyone around you, right? What's happening in between those two things is going with the flow. The second chakra encourages us to feel the feelings this is, I know, it sounds hokey, but let me, let me say this and then we'll talk about it. Encourages us to feel the feelings that arise as we open to life just as it is. As we allow ourselves to taste both the sweet and bittersweet of life, then we relax our resistance to life. So the idea here is that we're not fighting everything, right? When I say go with the flow, I don't mean roll over and just let life happen to you, right? You do need some balance of that earthiness, groundedness, solidness. We'll talk about will in just a second. That's the third chakra. But when I talk about going with the flow, what I mean is we often resist life as it is in the current moment, And we can do that in a lot of ways. One of them is to be distracted. I don't like where I am in this current moment, so I'm going to take out my phone and travel to a distant place on Twitter. I don't like where I am in this present moment, so I'm going to go to Instagram stories and look where everyone else is in this present moment. Right? Distraction is part of not being where you are in the moment. And second chakra is about being in that moment and going with it, leaning into it. It's not just about letting go of all your responsibilities, getting on a raft and traveling down the stream of life to see where it takes you. It is about being in the present and being okay with whatever the present has to offer you. Does that make sense? Again, physically, we're talking reproduction, bladder, urinary tract, libido, some metabolism and digestion is happening here too. But what excites me most about the second chakra is this idea of being in the flow, tapping into the subconsciousness, changing through personal choice a little bit, just learning how to be a little more fluid with life as it is. Now, I'm not saying that there's There's not a lot to fight right now. You guys, you know I think that there is. You know I believe that really strongly. But I think what's important to say is that you can't just white knuckle your way through your whole life. It won't work. It's not sustainable. We cause ourselves a lot more pain that way. So the second chakra is about being creative with the opportunities life is currently presenting you. If life doesn't look like you think it should, tough, but here you are, and what can we do right here? Right? So here we go. First chakra, groundedness, earthiness. It's about what we need. Second chakra is about desires, 
but it's also about being in the present moment and being fluid and creative within that space. Now, I talked a little bit about the difference between going with the flow and then acting on your desires, and that's where we'll get into the third chakra, which is Manipura chakra. Manipura is often referred to as a power center, right? The location is around the navel. Some say closer to solar plexus. It is about fire. This is our self-esteem, our warrior energy. So let me pause and say something about warrior energy. We talk about warrior in in kind of the wellness, self-actualization, self-help world. We talk about you know, holding your power in a way that is really important, but I want us to dissect it a little bit. It's important to be powerful. But I think in in Western cultures, we think of power as it's strong, but it's it's negative in a way. It's you're powerful and also ambitious and driven and self-focused, right? It's my power. I'm running the show. And the third chakra has a lot to do with that, right? It's your will. It's your determination. It's your ability to move and to act in the world. However, it is underneath it is a base of fluidity and creativity. It's coming from a base of reality, not of white knuckling and forcing your way through a world that you don't want to be in. It comes from being grounded, being aware of your present reality, and then leaning in with with power to make action happen. And on the other side of it is the fourth chakra, that's the heart chakra, that's love. So you have this power center, and it's grounded in fluid creativity and topped off like a cherry on top with love and compassion. In a way, this helps me frame the idea of warrior perhaps a little bit differently. It's not about destroy the other, right? Like you might think of a warrior in battle as destroying the bad guy. Instead, it's a little bit more about being grounded and rooted in yourself, present in the current reality, and powerful with love and compassion. And that's how all of those are interrelated. That's how they all work together. A healthy third chakra helps overcome inertia and jumpstart energy. This is your will when we talk about, I mean, we're well into February now. So maybe everyone's New Year's resolutions have gone out the window or not. But this is the thing that we talk about when we talk about will, except when we try to force ourselves with willpower to do something that doesn't come from our own personal groundedness and creativity within reality, then it doesn't work, right? So it has to be lined up with everything else. It can't be just will. The third chakra is also a place of really deep belly laughter and warmth and ease and vitality You know, we probably all have like three, four people in our lives that we can be with. And when we're with them, there's a there's a place you can get to where you're just laughing so hard that you're crying. And that belly laugh, that deep, deep belly laugh 
is just really hardy and it comes from deep down in the solar plexus and that is coming from from third chakra. That laugh is coming from a place of power. Think about Santa. He is not laughing all up high in his throat or in his head. It's not a twittering laugh. He's not like, ha, 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 No, Santa's ho, ho, ho. It's low down. It's deep. It's coming from a seat of power. And real joy comes from that seat of power. It doesn't come from aggression. It's countered by love. In balance, you'll find responsibility, self-confidence, humility, out of balance, you'll find inactivity, right? Inertia. You have no will to do anything, no will to change anything. Maybe there's some self-doubt there. Or on the opposite side, there's some arrogance. It's all will. It's all ambition. It's all drive. But that's out of balance too. If the first chakra is I exist, I want, this one is like I am. I make things happen. I do right? It's a little bit more activated. In some traditions, the first three chakras together are the hara. That's really our core power center. And as I mentioned, right on top of that, and I say on top like they're stacked because that's how you'll see them drawn and that's where they align in the physical body. But again, it's all interwoven. The fourth chakra, anahata chakra, that's our big green shining gem of love and compassion. Anahat exists uh, in the center of the chest. It is about emotional empowerment, forgiveness, unconditional love, trust, compassion. In the physical body, uh, it governs the physical heart, the lungs, the upper back and shoulders. When we're in balance, that's all about compassion, hope, love, inspiration. And we're out of balance, this might show up as jealousy or fear or anger. Here's something I love about the heart center. We got the first three chakra, which are our base needs and desires in life. It is how we survive how we live within a community, and how we make things happen. That's our our first three chakra, our base. The ones at the top, top, are more spiritual, esoteric. It's about expression and connection with the universe. It's about intuition. That's more spiritual. And right in the center is the heart. Anahata chakra, the fourth chakra, is the bridge between body and spirit. And I think that is freaking cool. What better system can you think of to connect the body and the spirit with love? They could have put any of them in the middle. It could have been built any way. We could have had power in the middle, but we don't. Power is not the bridge. Love is the bridge. Sign me up. Love is the bridge. I love this system. The fifth chakra is Vishuddha. Vishuddha is the throat chakra. It's in the neck, near the spine. Its element is air, which makes sense when you think about the throat. What do we do? We breathe, we sing. All of that has to do with the air in the body. It's really closely associated with hearing and communication with others. In balance, it's about expressing yourself well. It's about being honest. It's about telling the truth. Out of balance, it could be about bottling up emotions, not expressing yourself or the opposite, 
overly expressing yourself, speaking critically, speaking harshly, gossiping, two sides of the same coin. Or on the other hand, it could also be, and this one's a little bit more complicated, it could also be uh, being a little wishy-washy. And the being wishy-washy is not, it's not because you don't have an opinion. It's because you're somehow unable to express that opinion. If someone says to you, honestly, uh, do you want Mexican or Indian for dinner? Like something is happening. You, you usually have an inkling of like, mm, I kind of want Mexican like you, or whatever it is, right? Whatever that choice is. Do you want to go in or do you want to stay out? Do you want to take this job? Do you not want to take this job? It's clouded by a million other things. It's clouded by, well, we got Mexican last time and maybe the other person really doesn't want Mexican. They're just asking me if I want Mexican to be nice and really they want Indian, which is why they offered it in the first place. So I'm going to say Indian. Okay, let's go to Indian, right? It's clouded by, God, this job sounds horrible, but I need the money. It's clouded by, God, this job sounds perfect, but I don't know if I can do it right? Like it's clouded by all the other things, all the shoulds and all the expectations that the world has, right? There's a lot going on in the world. There are a lot of expectations out there, but the fifth chakra is about being true to yourself and expressing yourself in the most authentic, true way possible. And in order to do that, you need to know the difference between what you want and what other people want. You need to know the difference between what you really feel and what you've internalized about how you think you should feel. And that's why this one's complicated. You know, there's a lot of talk about being true to yourself and it can be really hard to figure out for some people. We grow up with expectations. People have ideas. We know that the watchful eyes of the world are upon us and everything, every behavior can be judged. And we come up with fear that all of our behavior and actions will be judged. And we internalize all of that. And so it can be hard to distinguish between what you've decided, what you have built up over time is the safe, right thing to do. And what is the thing you actually do want uh, and need in your life. So that's why teenagers dress funny, right? I mean, I, I, I don't say that to be judgmental of teenagers. I once was a teenager and I thought the way I dressed was the only way you could dress and anyone who wore anything differently was faking it or trying to be something they weren't and that I was just being truly who I was. Now, do I wear the same exact thing as I did as a teenager? You know, sometimes on the weekend, throw on a pair of overalls. That's cool. But that's not really my point. My point is we try on different expressions of who we are because we need to know what feels right And sometimes that just takes a lot of experimentation. Sometimes it takes a lot of, I'm going to try on this job. I'm going to try on whatever this, the title is that I have at this job. I'm going to try it on and see how it feels. And if it feels like me, then great that I can do a good job. And if it doesn't feel like me, I'm going to slowly get an ulcer and hate everything. And that's the way it is. So the more we can get to know who we are, you know, the easier it will be to authentically express that. 
But that's a challenge in and of itself. Good thing we have our intuition. The sixth chakra, Ajna chakra, the third eye center. The third eye center is physically, right? If you're associating it with the physical body, its location would be in between your eyebrows and slightly above. And I like to think of it, the third eye, as if your two physical eyes are looking out, out to the world. This one's looking in and looking in to help you see who you really are and how you fit in this world. This is the command center. It's the eye of intuition and intellect. It's associated with the mind. It's a gateway for spiritual energy. Oh, and this is, you know, I always talk about this. I happen to love coincidences. I'll call them that for now. When like a coincidence of Maslow coming up with a hierarchy of needs that just so happens to match up with this ancient system and philosophy. Coincidence? I don't know. Another coincidence is the placement of where this third eye center is. If you put your thumb right on that spot, different cultures through the ages have decided that that was an interesting spot. Some cultures decide to put a bindi in that spot. Other cultures decide to put an ashen cross in that spot on Ash Wednesday. Why? I don't know. I mean, honestly, just like I don't, I don't actually know if Maslow read Indian philosophy and I don't know if Christian cultures visited Hindu cultures and decided to, to take that ritual because I am not a scholar. I will Google it though and I'll let you know what I find out. What I do think is interesting and that a is that a bunch of different people thought this was a cool spot. So let's look at what's going on there. This is our connection. This is our channel and the gateway for spiritual energy. It's associated in the body with the pineal gland. That's our circadian rhythms. When we go to sleep, when we're awake and the pituitary, which is the master of the master of all of the endocrine glands. It's about having clear thought and vision and it's also about witness consciousness. So witness consciousness sounds fancy, but it's, it's simply just the observer. So anytime we talk about the observer, really what I'm talking about here is that there's part of our brain that's just on autopilot and it's playing the playlist of whatever thoughts we always have, Right? Uh, everyone's playlist is probably a little bit different, I imagine, um, but it usually includes some self-doubt and some story about not good enoughness. And I don't know. I don't know why, but mo- most everyone I know has some version of that going on in the playlist. And uh, judgment of others is going on in the playlist. And that's just kind of on repeat over and over again. And the witness consciousness, the observer, is the part of the mind that lives outside of that and can say, oh, you were just, you were just thinking a thing, 
right? It's a part of you that can see what's going on without being inside of it. So for example, uh, if I'm rushing down the subway stairs and there's someone in front of me and they're on their phone, I feel perfectly justified to swipe that phone right out of their hand and throw it down the stairs. I don't ever do that. I've never done that, but I imagine it all the time, like with relative frequency. So there are two parts of my brain at work. There's the judging part, who's judging that person. There could potentially also be a part of my brain that's saying, oh my God, why are you so mean? Leave that poor person alone, right? That could be another part of my brain or like you're a yogi, you're supposed to be nice to everyone. Why are you thinking about pushing this person down the stairs? right? That's another judging part. But then there's another part that lives outside of that that's going, oh, interesting. Why is that so upsetting to you? You really got upset about that, right? Like that's just a part that like has no judgment, but is curious and is interested and is noticing and is constantly noticing. And this can happen in your regular life. It can happen on your yoga mat, wherever you are. It's the part that is just noticing like, oh, hey, you were a little bit snippy in that meeting. Not like, oh my God, why were you such a bitch in that meeting? It was like, huh, there's something going on here. What do you think that might be about? It's just curiosity, right? Non-judgmental self-observation. I notice that if I don't give myself an extra 10 minutes for no reason, just 10 minutes, for the heck of it, before I need to get somewhere, I will be angry at everyone on the subway, regardless of what they're doing. But if I give myself 10 minutes, I'm not mad at anybody. Right, and that comes, that awareness comes from non-judgmental self-observation. It comes from me noticing a pattern of behavior or emotion that happens over and over and over again until I go, oh, yeah, I see what's happening here. And then I can address it. So when we go back to the fifth chakra, when we go back to Vishuddha, we talk about expressing your true authentic self. How in the world are we supposed to know what that is? Sixth chakra, intuition. Intuition tells us really who we are. And the only way to know is to listen. That's the only way to know. There is no special, there's no special smoothie to drink. There's no special workshop to take. There's no special gear to buy. It's just practice listening. That's it. And practice listening is really, really hard. And that's why I go back to the beginning of what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast that all of this stuff, all the wellness trends that come out all come, well, I don't know if they all do, but a lot of them come rooted in, in systems of ancient practice that work. They do, but they only work with a deep abiding commitment. They only work over years and years and years of practice. That's why meditation is hard. Most humans, when you sit down for meditation, it's hard and it can be really tiring and it can be really frustrating. 
because we're not practiced yet at listening. We don't give ourselves five minutes to not have input. So our internal voice, our internal intuition is hard to hear. The more you meditate or the more you practice, whatever you choose your practice to be, the easier it will be to hear the voice. I think we've talked about this on the show before. If you notice that every time you do a certain posture, you feel something in your right knee and you go, oh, guess I'm getting old or something. And then you continue to do that thing and you continue to do it. You continue to do it. You continue to do it until one day you totally blow your knee out. You can't even walk up a set of stairs and you're like, damn, yoga practice hurt my knee. Here's my experience with the physical body. It's going to talk to you. And the sooner you listen, the better. Because if you don't hear the small voice, that small voice will just get louder and louder and louder and louder until there's injury. And in my experience, the voice of intuition, the voice of your energy, the the voice of your authentic self is the same. It starts quiet. Hey, hey, I don't like when we do this. And then if you keep doing it and keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, then it gets louder and it gets louder until you go to do that thing and you have a panic attack or you go to do that thing and you blow up in anger at someone else or it showcases itself in some other way. And then your little witness consciousness, your non-judgmental self observer goes, hey, what was that all about? You don't normally push people down the subway stairs. So you must have been pretty upset. I wonder why. Every moment like that, every moment where it does get really loud and potentially destructive, it's just another opportunity to learn. Also, please, I'm let me make it clear. I do not advocate ever pushing anyone down any stairs. I'm just trying to be honest about what the brain does. At least what my brain does. I've never actually had the full vision of like, the. I mean, I'm thinking about it now, about like what the consequences would be if I, if I did the push or the like swipe of the phone, because I think it would be horrible. But sometimes I still just think of swatting the phone out of their hands. I just do. I'm human. But it's an opportunity for non-judgmental self-observation. Chakra seven. I know, I almost forgot. Chakra seven is Sahasvara. That is the crown chakra. One chakra to rule them all. The crown chakra is kind of the, I don't want to say it's the most important because I don't think that's fair to the other dwarves, but it is essential to obtaining higher consciousness. It's kind of our aspirational chakra. It's the door to elevation. It's the our door, our connection to the source of creation. It is pure light. Awakening that chakra, this chakra, the crown chakra is the goal of yoga. All of this twisting and turning, all of this sitting in meditation, all of this right speech, right action, it's all for the goal of attaining bliss. It's all for the crown chakra. And 
part of the reason why I almost forgot about it uh, is because it is aspirational and I have less to say about it because it's not something we work with on our day-to-day lives usually. Usually there's plenty of toil, toil, bubble and boil in all the other chakras. This one kind of exists outside of that. And it is aspirational and you can absolutely have moments where you connect, connect with source, connect with oneness, have a moment where you're like, oh my God, all my molecules are all the same molecules in the universe and we're all one thing. But the minute you have that thought in that second, you might think, oh my gosh, I finally get it. And then you're like, oh, I just let it go because I had another thought. And I thought I, and I don't exist, right? It's like the minute you think it, it disappears. So it's possible to connect into that crown chakra and have that experience at the same time. It's not an experience that is common to sustain when we live in the world because we live in the world. And if you ascend, it's, you know, hard to cook dinner. So we tend to live in the world. I want to thank you for living in the world with me. And thank you for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. You can subscribe if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you are. Please leave us a review if you feel called to do so. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yoga for the revolution. I'm on Instagram. We're also on Twitter at Y underscore F underscore T underscore R. That's all for now. Until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day.